0: The excelsior podcast all right so the recording is finally begun so hey everyone welcome back to the episode of the excelsior podcast today we have with us mr akshay gurnani so you know Akshay, i was just going through your linkedin and i noticed like you have had a wide trajectory of roles across your career you were a an analyst, then you were a group account manager, and now you're the CEO and co-founder of Shabank. How did that happen? Like why the, you know, like sudden pivot? Like did you have, uh, you know, a calling from the whole marketing and branding space, or is that something you were initially curious about and just wanted to explore
1: after gaining a certain amount of experience? Please let us know. Sure, cool. yeah, sure. Thanks, thanks, Umkar, for having me on the podcast. Firstly, uh, you know, it's a great question to ask because, uh, you know, back when I started my career about 12 years ago, Um, there were not too many options uh, coming out of graduation and you know in I've done my BMS my Bachelor of Management Studies in HR College in Bombay Um, and you know in the final year you're basically given an option of picking between finance and marketing. Um, I was the only student in my class of 120 who picked both Um, and again you call Called me first, venture called me nerdy, called me whatever. But I just felt like at the age of twenty one, I've got to imbibe as much as I can and learn as much as I can. Um, of course, I gave my um, my specialization and my uh, in my final exams in finance, and I scored the least marks in finance. But I just felt like at the age of twenty one, I've got to learn and you know understand as much of finance as I can because somewhere in life, you know, as I grow, and I always knew at some point in time I want to become an entrepreneur. I felt finance would help me down the line if not at that point in time so i purposely even found a job as a financial analyst um, you know i spent six months at a reputed company working as an analyst worked you know for day and night 18 hours a day really learned everything that i possibly could um but i think the six months gave me an understanding that hey finance is not cut out for me uh, and maybe i'm more built for marketing because i enjoy communication i enjoy design i enjoyed Coming up with campaigns, and uh, you know, honestly, that that switch sort of just went off overnight. I remember I quit my finance job on a Friday, um, and the following Monday I started with my marketing jobs. So like it was almost like an overnight shift, um, and it's been like almost now ten years for me, in, uh, eleven years actually, in 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 marketing. Um, and you know, I still enjoy doing what I did back in the day. It could be writing copy, it could be servicing, it could be you know meeting with with clients, and really creating campaigns, and That's how the switch happened for me. I think the big learning for me was that I had to try different things to realize what my calling was. Uh, I did not know from day one, what exactly my calling was. And I think doing finance allowed me to identify that marketing is my my calling. So yeah, that's how I pivoted. Um, And of course, like I knew that, you know, I want to be a businessman at some point in time because I come from a family of businessmen. So I said, okay, fine, I want to run my own company. Um, And then entrepreneurship sort of came with shebang, you know, Uh, And it's been a great, great journey ever since the past seven and a half years the Shebang has been in being. So, yeah, it's been a good, good journey for me that way. Grateful, yeah.
0: So, you know, like, uh, many people are curious. Why Shebang? Like, is it an old to DC Comics Shazam (laughs) in any
1: way? no, or actually like, not. So yeah, so I'll tell you where it came from, right? So when, uh, because, you know, me and my two uh, co-founders, Harshil and so, basically we've come from the same agency. we worked together in, you know, prior to Shebang. Um and, and we sort of, because we worked together and we've been in, in the industry for about four or five years back then, we knew what the big gap in the industry was when it came to, you know, truly independent agencies who were providing an integrated solution to all of the client requirements. Um, and that's where the word shebang actually comes from. It comes from a 17th century phrase called the whole shebang, which means completeness, which means wholeness. Um, so we said, okay, shebang is not the best word that we can call a company because b and g would be a little controversial. We said, okay, fine, yeah. let's sort of tweak it and make it shebang because it has a better ring to it. And that's the shebang actually came into being. Um, our, our company logo also is a fusion of the exclamation and the hashtag uh, which in Unix code completes the code. So, you know, this entire completeness, wholeness, uh, integration is somewhat stems from the word shebang and what we sort of stand for. And that's how actually shebang sort of came into being. And today we have about 1000 people across three cities, Mumbai, Bangalore and Delhi. We started London just about last week. So uh, wow. we service clients right from, you know, creative strategy content, uh, a lot of tech servicing, a lot of Uh, media, influencers, branding research, so it's everything sort of under one roof that we provide to our clients, uh, and that's where shebang sort of comes from.
0: Interesting. And I actually was taking a look at your your posts and, uh, you know, expanding to London that, That to within just seven years. That's incredible, honestly speaking, so like, congratulations, really, really great achievement, honestly speaking. So thank you, thank you. So course, that,
1: that, that, that comes from one of our principles. Right? So So, sh- so India to the world has been one of our key principles from from day one. That how can we so, sort of service global clients sitting out of India, and of course, you know, est- establishing spaces across the world has also been one part of our principles. So, shebang, uh, you know, India to the world as a core principle has been something that we sort of always sort of built the company's thinking on, um, and that you know, starting a company, uh, starting our office in London was the only. Uh, I would say, obvious move. So this year we're starting in London, maybe next year will be Dubai uh, and also Amsterdam. So uh, the objective is sort of take India to the world and and you know service clients across the globe, basically. Yeah.
0: You know, honestly, you mentioned like, uh, basically you all do a lot of things. So I was having a conversation with my friend the other day and she was mentioning that uh, many companies that are just starting up, mm-hmm. they have great products and services, but they're not good when it comes to marketing. Like other people, mm-hmm don't know what their product is about so what advice would you give like if someone is starting up like okay this is something which i employed something which can work for you as well in terms of digital marketing
1: Mm. you're seeing from the perspective of a new brand building yeah yeah yeah. yes so you know i think um everything that we do as marketers as you know as, as brand creators as service providers as product providers comes from the innate understanding of the customer uh what does the customer really want is at the base of everything that we do right even the reason we started shabang is because we realized that our customers or our clients needed an integrated agency who they can work with for all of their services so you know i think a, a very core aspect of any Service or product needs to be the understanding of the customer. Really getting into the pulse and the skin of where the customer is coming from and what's the need gap. You can really sort of plug in in the customer's life basis what you are providing to them in in their life cycle and in their journey. Uh, so I think to anyone starting off afresh, try identifying your you know your total addressable market, uh, that your TAM basically as you talk about it to see what are the requirements that you can sort of plug through your service or product. Um, of course you can do a lot of you know brand building and again brand building is a long-term process and it takes a lot of years for brands to actually build um, it's it's a summation of its people its logos its communication its social presence its product or service it's a lot of things that actually go into building a brand but before you even get into brand building try identifying what is the customer requirement because once you can crack that very simply and put it in one line it becomes a lot more clear as to what the way forward needs to be for you to build that brand going on so that's my it's i don't know if i answered the question but this understanding and being obsessive about your customer becomes very very important right from the nascent stage of the brand creation it's
0: very very interesting Like, thank you for elaborating on that and i you know i was going through linkedin and i noticed one thing you you talk a lot a lot about web3 <laughs> and yeah. uh I mean, I like, same, (laughs) even I love Web3. So uh, why do you think, like, you know, Web3 is a future? Like, the Web3 literacy, at least in India, is not even, like, you know, 10%, I would say. Most of the people who say they are the so-called thought leaders, they actually don't know what Web3 is actually about. And to be honest, the Web2 bubble is still yet to burst. So where do you see influencer marketing and Web3, you know, like, binding up together and shaping our future?
1: Yeah. So I think the, the crux of Web3 is really built on community building, right? Like, I mean, Web3 yeah. as, as a subject in itself is fairly vast and we can spend like an entire two days talking only about Web3 if you want, but you know, I think to keep the answer very simple, I think Web3 as, you know, I would say it's more like, um, you call it a platform, you call it an understanding, you call it a way of life, um, is here to stay because a lot of the decentralization of the things that we've been you know talking about it could, could be insurance could be banking could be fintech it could be you know the way ownership happens through smart contracts for example um, and the problem is right now in india people think web3 is equal to cryptocurrency and mm-hmm. you know i think cryptocurrency ha- comes with its own you know problems when it comes to trading and this illegal and taxation all the kind of stuff so i think to your point that people, 10% of the country understands of Web3 I would say 1% of the country knows what Web3 is because it's still a very, it's like a black hole, right? Because there has yeah. so many nuances towards it. There's the blockchain contracts. There's the entire NFT space. There's cryptocurrency there is building on the blockchain. There's metaverse as well. People are confused because there are too many new terminologies that we're not used to hearing or not used to understanding. Um, and these are not things that can be taught you know, through bookish knowledge, that you've got to really understand and see what a metaverse is. You've got to see what NFTs are. Um, and unfortunately, there aren't too many people really talking sense about it, which is why I felt I've got to upskill myself as well, because as our company grows, and as we talk to more and more clients, it's important that even we are understanding the, the basic nuances of what Web3 has to offer. Um, you mentioned about Web3 and influencer marketing. I think it's a very interesting space because literally now I can have, you know, decentralized communities being built around the influencers. Influencers can come up with their own NFTs, which are ownable, which could be either great art or they could have great utility as a part of it. A um, lot of things that we can do there, also in terms of you know, influencers probably giving out NFTs to their community, you know, growing a loyalty around them, giving them exclusive content, giving them exclusive access to particular time with the influencer as well. So there's lots that we can do over there, but just coming down to the basics it's a very it's an evolving space and a lot, a lot of our clients for example in india don't understand it so i sort of took it upon myself to learn as much as i can so i can go and start teaching my clients and my teams more about the entire concept of web3 um Again, you know, it's a black hole. We can spend like the entire day talking about Web3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but happy to answer specific questions as well, if, in case you have around the Web3, you know, space. But, you know, I was, we were talking about earlier that, you know, there's so many new opportunities for even today's youngsters when it comes to finding a, a job or like a specialization in the Web3 space, right? It could be around building on the blockchain, for example. There are very few good uh, coders who can build on, you know, Ethereum, ERP, all those different kind of blockchains. You have very few guys who are doing good work when it comes to also building 4D content, 3D content, and that's become a new visual, you know, uh, skill set altogether. Is that how can you really create immersive experiences uh, using art, using you know, animation potentially? Um, I think a lot of new experiences that we can sort of build from. And I think for today's youngsters, they can actually start picking up on some of these nuances and start learning them because. The Future is going to be web 3. It might not be in the next one or two years, but in the next 10 years, I'm sure India will become a lot more open to adopting web 3 uh, within their systems.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: you're right. We can talk about web 3 for two days and still won't be enough. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the thing is, like, uh, I noticed I was just going through, you know, uh, jobs and all that those on LinkedIn. I noticed Google is adding web 3 strategies. I was like, damn, that's in Bangalore. And uh, yeah. people still say Web3 is not the future. Uh, to all of them who say that, I'm like, bro, take a look at this. <laughs> if this isn't showing that Web3 is in the future, then I don't know what is. Uh, I mean, uh, you the, mentioned the
1: fact that, just, uh, also that, right, the fact that Facebook has rebranded themselves to Meta, and Meta yeah. somewhere has confused people thinking Meta equal to Metaverse, which is, of course, yes. not true. But you know the mm-hmm. fact that they've also change the entire company's name to sound something like a web3 company uh, automatically yeah. has you know sort of propelled the fact that web3 is probably here to stay and those you know two billion three billion people who've been on facebook for so many years will now start getting migrated towards a new metaverse kind of system which is also going to be built on the web3 platforms right so so yeah. you know it, it is inevitable it's more about saying how open are we to adopting it and how soon do we want to actually adopt it but it's it's here to stay is what I personally believe
0: you know when I like you mentioned Vethi is a black hole like when I started like you know learning about NFTs crypto Bitcoin blockchain what is all this shebang (laughs) if I were to say so uh, I noticed like NFTs have been around since 2012 I was surprised honestly speaking because until Snoop Dogg started his own collection and Logan Paul and all those influencers, big time influencers, started talking about NFTs. I personally found out about NFTs during the pandemic, peak time of the pandemic. Till then, I don't know, there's something like NFTs. Right. Now, even Instagram has, you know, added a feature and you can showcase your NFT collection. Right. So do you think, you know, like, uh, how do I put this? NFTs, do you think NFTs are just hype? Or do you think they are going to stay for a few years until the metaverse actually, you know, uh, mm. is executed and is implemented in the way Mark Zuckerberg sees it to be?
1: Yeah, I think good question because you know up until now NFTs have have been viewed as a good way of making quick money. Like mm. you know, I I buy an NFT, I flip it, and you know I I can make a good yeah. margin of it, and that was a trend up until the entire winter the crypto winter that sort of came in and you know all the crypto the entire i mean the entire financial market was down for the past few months right and that's what where the entire nft market was so slightly went for a hit overall but up until like if you ask me till december last year nfts were the in thing because everybody was making quick money off it um and that that typically stems from the fact that very few people knew what nfts were so they were the early movers who were able to sort of you know buy the nfts build a certain demand around it get a certain buzz around it make some money and, and sort of move on from there right um it's the early movers who made the money and now have sort of moved on from there but if you ask me the nfts that will be there to stay are the ones that really build in utility into what the nft stand for um, for example i am currently creating you know nfts for shebang basically oh, wow. different levels of employees in the company will receive different kind of uh nfts basis their specialization so say for example someone is a creative guy he will receive a circular nft because circle is for creative people if someone mm-hmm. is in the strategy team they will receive an nft which is of a square shape because typically strategists who want to strategy like being within boundaries so square becomes their shape and we're calling them shapers like s-c-h-a-p-e-r-s so it comes from shebang so shapers sort of become the nft uh, you know the the embodiment uh as a shape and and each of these nfts will have utility say for example uh my my vice presidents who have a circular NFT, for example will be eligible to get you know additional three days of of time off or they can get you know spa vouchers for example or they can get you know they can get to work maybe like a one week in London, hypothetically. So we will be building in utility into these NFTs. So the moment the, the NFT has utility, automatically it becomes more long-term because it has value embedded inside the NFT core itself. So I think it's important that nowadays also brands start thinking as to how they can build the utility into the NFT rather than it just being, okay, great piece of art. Okay, let me buy it and sell it and make some money off it. So um, I think that's the, the fundamental shift we've got to have in the way of thinking towards the nfts um you know again like i give an example right like it's nfts for example can be used as a ticketing platform Like say for example uh, I, I love giving the example of say code play creating nfts as a ticket now say for example i can use that ticket or that nft to a virtual concert which enables me to come into a metaverse to actually you know, view Chris Martin playing a set live inside a metaverse because my NFT becomes my ticket or my point of entry. Now say, for example, he sells only 1,000 of these NFTs. And suddenly he says, OK, fine, all my NFT holders, for example, can get access to meet me one on one. Automatically, the value of the NFT goes up because suddenly from this 1,000, now 10,000 more people want to get access to this 1,000 NFTs, which are of a scarce value. Suddenly the value goes up. I can sell my NFT to somebody else. Automatically, you know, say for example, the NFT cost one Ethereum, now it costs two Ethereum because people who want to meet Chris Martin want to buy my NFT from me, right? So suddenly the value of the NFT is increasing because there is some inherent utility for it built into it. Um, and then, it can, then you can sort of keep building from there. Yeah,
0: like those, uh... The kind of NFT which you mentioned, many people are doing that. Like I've gone to an NFT networking event wherein they were giving free NFTs to all those who attended. Correct. And uh, <laughs> the interesting thing there was like people are like, what is this number? It's asking, what's a MetaMask wallet? So <laughs> so I was yeah. explaining it to them, like,
1: dude, you're here for a Web3
0: conference. I don't know what a
1: MetaMask wallet is. Yeah which, them, is actually, just, yeah, which is actually why, you know, I'm working with a company who's doing, uh, who through which we're going to be disseminating NFTs, not using MetaMask, but using the email ID. So your email yeah. ID sort of becomes your unique identifier. Um, I can choose to attach my wallet in due course of time, but it's not going to bind me saying, if you do not have a wallet, I cannot get the NFT. My unique identifier sort of becomes my email ID. So now imagine every direct-to-consumer brand who has my email id phone number they can start creating nfts for the loyal customer base right because they have my email id i can start sending out nfts and add in utility say for example you are you know a nike shoe holder who's bought a nike shoe from the nike website along with your purchase because i have an email id that you bought from my d2c website i can send you the corresponding nft of the same shoe in your email inbox and mm-hmm. I may or may not choose to connect my wallet at this point in time, but the NFT sort of becomes mine because I've already made the purchase of the shoes. Now, automatically opens up a lot more conversation with brands, especially because we know customers in India do not have MetaMask wallets already created, right? So, it's, so email ID identification becomes a new way of actually disseminating NFTs. So that's something I'm actually working with uh, a company who's doing this uh, specifically it's yeah, called hash inter- case, yeah hash case for the company yeah
0: pretty interesting like i actually was thinking like the best way to uh, get people who are in the web2 space pivot to web3 like on a very large scale would be like uh, see banks Snickers or any other chocolate bar in, in general like uh, you get those offer like you know scratch this or you know sc- scan this and you get so and so so what they can do is that buy four of these four of the four, four snicker bars of 25 bucks each or 50 bucks each and mm-hmm. you get a free nft or should we just scan the QR code? Right, like, right. who doesn't want free stuff? Yeah. So this is just another idea like, which you were thinking about. Like just something random popped into my head. And he was like, yeah, maybe we should try that. Maybe the government will allow that. Like, yeah, maybe we should not involve the government in this at all. Who knows? So yeah. I also noticed like you have been a TEDx speaker. How was that experience?
1: Oh, it was good actually. You know, so honestly, like I, I hate. I used to hate talking in in, in public. Like I to hate public speaking back in the day. But I realized that, you know, if you've got to be like a company founder and you've got to be yeah. like, you know, an entrepreneur, you've got to also be a good public speaker, which is why I started putting myself out and doing more and more talks as to go and deliver talks at different universities, colleges. Um and this was one big learning for me, right? Like putting myself in these uncomfortable scenarios and situations to make myself a, a better speaker, a better orator. Um and you know, along the way, like, you know, three years in of me teaching and doing these talks uh the TEDx one of the TEDx uh, committee sort of reached out to me and asked me to come on board so I said I mean it's a great time for me because I was like if I don't do it now I probably won't ever do it so uh I of course lapped it up and a few more opportunities have come since then but I feel like I'm still not as inspired I'm looking for my next inspiration for my next talk so I've had to say no to actually a couple of talks recently but I'm looking for my next bout of inspiration for, for my next talk but it was great you know unfortunately uh my tedx talk happened during the lockdown so i could not physically go and deliver it you know at the university or at the college but um i had to record the session and sort of send them the video but nonetheless you know it was a good experience for me because just writing the entire speech and like you know thinking of how to make it interesting in itself was a process um and because I spoke a lot about how my journey of self discovery is linked back to finding a tiger in a jungle. I tried to marry, uh, you know, my passion of, uh, self discovery to, you know, my passion of photography and, and wildlife, you know, so it, it sort of came together very beautifully. And in fact, I, I wrote the script for this TEDx while I was sitting in a Jeep in pinch, uh, during a safari, uh, you know, and I was, I had very bad luck on that trip. I didn't see any tigers. So I had like a lot of free time. I was literally sitting and writing notes on my phone, thinking of how do I make my TED talk more interesting. And I actually came in the middle of a safari. So it was a good, you know, good story for me also. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, honestly, like uh, you've also become one of the top, you know, voices on LinkedIn. Like that is something which is really, really amazing. I mean, uh, I, I love LinkedIn. <laughs> Can't get enough of it. Honestly speaking. I mean, at this point I'm addicted to it so much. Like I can't spend three hours without looking at my phone and checking LinkedIn. More so than Instagram, Twitter and all the other things. So uh, I would like to hear from you. Why is LinkedIn and networking so important? Like you as a founder, say, for example, you're looking to hire someone. Do you tend to look at their LinkedIn profile?
1: Yeah. No, great question honestly like even for me linkedin is my favorite platform you know honestly like we've all spent a lot of time on facebook and and instagram back in the day and we of course do spend a lot more time on instagram right now as well but i think linkedin has certainly become a great place to meet new people and you know what i personally love is meeting people from linkedin in physical life like so i actually ended up meeting some people in, in my office actually I, m- I met some people from linkedin in london as well when i was in london two weeks back um, and I think just the networking opportunity of meeting people who come with a like-minded, uh, you know, thought process, they come with the same mental wavelength in terms of why they're on the platform to meet new people, to find new opportunities, to learn something new. I think that's where LinkedIn actually is. I, I'm just, I just hope that, you know, it does not migrate into becoming like another riffraff TikTok kind of a platform because yeah. I'm, um, eventually, you know, all platforms are trying to compete for for the right kind of content, right? And I just hope that they maintain the kind of quality that they have in terms of the kind of people and the kind of content that they allow on the platform. But honestly, like I I love LinkedIn for the pure reason that opportunities of networking are a plethora. You know, I've met some interesting people on LinkedIn. I eventually, I think everyday people write into me as well on LinkedIn who I interact with quite often, um, you know, have just one-on-one conversations with them. I I get to learn so much from LinkedIn itself. I think it's very important for anyone who is beginning their journey as well to spend time on LinkedIn because finding jobs is very, very easy. Um, in fact, I, you know, I was in fact talking to my HR team a couple of weeks ago and, you know, of course for hiring, uh, we, we, we work with many different platforms and portals for hiring, but LinkedIn apparently comes out as the number one platform for hiring for us even today, you know, at any given point in time, we have about 125 profiles open for hiring and we see most wow. of the profiles being closed through LinkedIn itself, um, which I think speaks volumes for the kind of people who are on the platform currently um and i think also enables easy background check of what the past experiences were it's a great resume in a way of course you've still got to talk to the person and understand a lot more about them but i think just the linkedin profile says a lot in a first glance honestly which is why i also love looking at linkedin profiles of people who are maybe you know coming to us for interviews or probably um, a meeting like even when i'm going for a client meeting for example I will always check my clients' LinkedIn profiles. I'll see what are their backgrounds. I'll see what experiences they come with because accordingly, I can mold my conversations based on what their experiences are yes. as well, right? And, and that becomes a great way of stalking somebody, but it tells you professionally, what have they done? What university have they come from? what have their job roles been, uh, and whether they will understand what I'm going to try presenting to them in the next, you know, hour or whatever it needs to be. So yeah, I think it's a great platform to be on for sure. I think also the, the, reach. Reach, the reach is very high, right? For now, I think the yeah. reach of the content is very high as compared to like Instagram, is like a 1% to 2% reach, at least right now on LinkedIn, like I get a good 40, 50% reach and sometimes it goes even above 50% becomes a 120% reach, which I think is the great Damn. thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned like, uh, you know, uh, your concern regarding it being a riffraff of what it is right now. Now I remember having a conversation with, uh, again, a few of my friends and we were discussing like many brands pivoted from web one to web two, like Yahoo one, couldn't make it as good as you know the other brands could. So do you think a majority of the brands which we have right now will make a successful
1: transition to Web3? I think it's gonna be a slow process, right? And it comes down to people like us, the agency guys, to really educate our customers because eventually customers come to us saying, Tell us what's the newest in technology that we can adopt for our brands to sort of take forward. So um, and the success of the technology honestly rests a lot with the agency guys, the guys like us who are also building it out for the end customers. Um, so it will be a slow burn because as you mentioned, like a lot of companies have still not mastered web 2.0. Uh, we're still, you know, we, we still have clients coming to us. It's very nascent, basic, mm-hmm. you know, front facing, it's just a one page kind of a website saying, kya karna right? It's like they're yeah. trying to educate them saying, how can you try building a small community on your Web 2.0 website? How can we build in some more plugins? Can we move to Shopify, for example? Can we integrate payment gateways? Such very basic conversations are still happening in today's day and age. So I think, of course, Web 3.0 is still a few years down the line, but uh, I think somewhere the pressure is on the agency guys to sort of you know guide the clients in the right direction, um, and that's something that we're trying to do through all of our academy sessions. We do a lot of trainings externally as well. Telling people what the right things to do. Um, of course, it might take them time to convert into a Web3 client for us, but at least start the conversation. Uh, you know, much earlier, early on, basically in the journey.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree with whatever you have to say. So, uh, Zagnik, do you have any questions for Akshay here? <laughs> I just like uh, so from a different perspective coming in. Is that? So when you started, right, and you said you had a fear of like communication and talking in front of an audience, right? I think it's like, and obviously, um, being where you are, Shabang, is what are the certain roadblocks or challenges you faced, and how did you overcome it? Like, if you name one or two, sure. we, like, it's amazing that you did fantastic, but behind the curtains, you as a person, like I'm sure you had some crazy nights, scary nights, or like as an organization, this was your roadblocks.
1: Yeah. I would to hear more about that. Yeah. No, I think very early on in our journey, the biggest challenge that we had was, you know, how to acquire customers. And because we had come from already building another agency in the past to then starting off fresh completely from ground zero, uh, a lot of the questions were like, you know, how can we move back to the scale that we had prior to starting Shebang? Um, so a lot of the, the, the problems or challenges we faced early on was of course cash flows because you know you have a team but you don't have enough work coming in um and it's almost like a two-way journey right so either i can hire people and then close the customer or then close the customer and then hire the people but then they both take its own sweet time so a lot of the the early on challenges were how do you acquire the right kind of customers who will pay you the right kind of money that you think is is required to provide the service, and um, that took the first I think six to eight months to get us the right brands on board. Of course, we worked with a lot of small startups, uh, you know, who weren't paying the best and who, of course, weren't the best paymasters. But then um, our first big break was with a company called GoDridge. Um, and once we got into Godrej, that sort of allowed us to work with a lot of brands under the banner of Godrej. And then then from there, the growth started, started coming in a lot more quicker because then the larger brands started seeing that we have worked with a brand like Godrej. So then they started coming up, coming up to us proactively and sending us pitches. But I think the first biggest challenge was actually acquiring the customers. Um, and then, of course, then the collections when it comes to money and you know then hiring the team from there. But yeah. And of course, a lot of the work went into like, doing cold pitches reaching out to industry folk because we knew people in the industry, we reached out to them saying, give us a shot, right? Like let us do a small project. Don't give us a retainership, give us a small project. Let us try doing a small project for you at a smaller fee. If you think our work is good, then give us a larger mandate. So a lot of trial and error happened in the first few months. And then I think that actually has to sort of build from there, then going forward, yeah. You know,
0: honestly, like, uh, I don't know actually if you have if you know this, but there's a big thing known as Dubai Blockchain Month for the whole of October. Okay, like in Dubai. And uh, honestly speaking, like if you are interested, I can connect you with the organizers over there and you'll get to meet a few of the top Web3, you know, experts from the whole field who have been working in this whole blockchain and Bitcoin phase for uh, you know fifteen to sixteen years. So if you're interested, do let me know. I'll be more than happy to connect you with sure. we we'll love to, would we'll love to, absolutely, yeah yeah all right so where can people connect with you like
1: LinkedIn, sure LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah linkedin for sure i mean that's a, my number one platform that like, i'm fairly active over there linkedin right. and instagram for sure uh i again as you mentioned like even i spend a lot more time on linkedin like i do spend a good one hour every day just like you know catching up on my inbox replying to people reading new updates reading new articles uh of course inevitably i spend time on instagram because a lot of of my brands are Instagram first brands, so like you got to like mm. see what's happening on the platform, see the different kind of features. And the I, honestly, I, I hate the content on Instagram nowadays in terms of these typical reels and TikTok based content. Yeah. Like I, I I don't like that at all. But unfortunately, you have got to do it uh, since uh, that's how you know our lives are right now to sort of build yeah. brand. So, but yeah, they can reach out to me first on LinkedIn and then maybe Instagram.
0: All right, then, it was a real pleasure having you on. And I really, really learned a lot just by this small interaction we had. And uh, I really look forward to having you on again. So thank you for your time. Thanks,
1: Take thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks, Agni. Thank you, Akshay.
0: It was amazing talking to you and learning so much about like how you journey from zero to where you have reached today.
1: Very no, absolutely. No, absolutely. I mean, thanks, thanks for having me, guys. It's always good to uh, talk to people who are just good listeners in a way like you know so it's always good to share as much as we know Because <laughs> like honestly for us the industry is so small right and there's so much to yeah. sort of imbibe from everybody around here yeah so this is good that such kind of podcasts are actually out there and for at least the youngsters who be inspired and i think it all comes down to this thing called the shark tank effect right like nowadays everyone's their mm-hmm. own entrepreneur like I actually see like on linkedin there's so many founders co-founders like everyone's you know designations nowadays are founders co-founders right and it, it comes from the fact that everyone believes that they can they can build something which is a great belief to have. So I think such kind of podcasts really help. uh just, I think, inspire more youth in a way. So thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Thank you for the kind words. Thank you. Thank you, guys.
1: Thank you. Thank you. See you guys.
0: Bye. Yeah. Bye.
1: Thank you.